year can, a year go flies by, but a, a day can feel like it lasts forever. That's kind of how you live. Live a day at a time. Wow. Anyway, 844-766-6607, Matthew James, Tax Wealth Management Hotline. If you'd like to be part of the program, your opportunity to be a voice, you can email me, moon at moongrafon.com. Also, we're giving away today and tomorrow, Cane River Pecans, two left. Appreciate everybody trying to win over 1,000, almost 1,200 people. Uh, humbled, uh, you know, we just started with Baton Rouge again last year for a year. And about 20, 25% are coming out of Baton Rouge. And I, I can't believe it because, you know, it's a place you get takes time to grow. But I'm, I'm humbled to be in Baton Rouge. I hope people are listening. And, and that kind of tells you, uh, you know, it's a big station. And I'm really grateful for all my radio stations. A lot from every market, though. Lake Charles, Alexandria, from Toledo Bend to Manny to Monroe to Lafayette, Baton Rouge, several from the Slidell area. Uh, Alexandria area heavy. So, we do appreciate it. All right, let's jump gears. Royal Alexander, Attorney Royal Alexander joins us, and I'm humbled to have him. Hey, Royal, how you doing? You left off all the cities except Shreveport right then. Well, Shreveport, Bossier, that's heavy too, real heavy. That's a big market <laughs> for us, man. I can't grab them all, but I try to grab them all. I know. I you yeah. did good. Yeah, you I'm, did good. I'm humbled to have them all. I promise you, for us to be on a station anywhere is humbling, humbling to me. You uh, So – we got a we got a decision, the second decision on the cattle sheriff, uh, the cattle sheriff uh, uh, sheriff race. Uh, so, kind of tell us what the latest ruling from the uh, what is it, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals? Oh, second. Second. I'm sorry, second. Tell us the latest ruling and what's going to happen now. It's so interesting. I I, th- I thought the trial court decision was a solid one. The trial itself was a one-day trial. The registrar testified. The Our clerk of court testified and a couple of other witnesses. And what the judge, the trial judge, gleaned was that, at least in evidence, there were 11 defective votes, and there's only a one-vote margin in this race. And it's that's crazy, man. I mean, I've seen close ones. I saw one in Baton Rouge, that state senate race, decided by eight votes. Years ago, David Thibodeau, in, in that Congress race, missed making the runoff by 12 votes. But here we have a one-vote margin, one vote. So literally any mistake changes the outcome. But what the judge did was rule that, and again, the legal standard, the law in Louisiana is that if a court cannot determine who won, and I don't know how anyone could determine who won I, with, with, with what we heard in the trial and and, and I think the Second Circuit just picked up on that, saying, look, um, there's, you know, and this is my take on it, Moon, I think there's probably human error and irregularities and maybe even a little fraud in every election. It's mm-hmm. just never close enough to change the outcome. But with a one-vote margin, any little single thing is enough to change the outcome. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, so the ruling from the court basically backed up with Judge Black former Supreme Court Justice Black said. And so now that the appeals court has done this, I know that they're going to try to go to the state Supreme Court, but will the state Supreme Court even hear the case at this point? You know, Moon, it, uh, I've, I've been wrong so many times trying to figure out what a judge or a court's going to do, but the, these are just my thoughts. I, I really think it could go either way. I think the okay. Supreme Court could say, Two, ju- two courts have now reviewed this and ruled that they cannot t- tell what happened in the election, who won. 
chords, two chords. However, the arguments, the main arguments made were that, number one, Nicholson said with defective ballots, there were more defective ballots, the Republican, than the margin of vote, one versus 11 defective votes. But the Whitehorn side has argued that, and it's true, under Louisiana law, any objections to ballots have to be made four days before Election Day. And, of course, then Nicholson comes back and argues that some of the problem here, Moon, is double voting, and there's no way you could know about the double vote until Election Day itself. That would be the second vote, which, of course, we're only supposed to vote one time. So that's the way they've rebutted that. But it was a 3-2 decision. You know, two of the judges, I mean, they were they were Democrat judges, but, you know, I assume they're just looking at it like, you know, straight up law. You know, the law does say you have to object. But on the other hand, I think the weight of the evidence here, I think the Nicholson team carried its legal burden by proving you can't tell who won. And that's the standard by which a, a, a runoff could be ordered. But, you know, if I'm sitting there, the Louisiana Supreme Court, you know, I've gone back and forth in my head about this. It's like. I see. I could see him leaving it alone, like I've said. You know, every time the Louisiana Supreme Court does something, Moon, it creates precedent that maybe it doesn't want to create. Yeah. It doesn't have to. If they agree with the result, then it could just say we're denying your writ and the ruling of the second court, the second circuit stands, which means we're going to have another round. However, if they see something in there that they think they didn't get right, like maybe there's more to this failure to object, I still don't see how you get around objecting to something on Election Day if you – could not have known it was – and even if you just say, well, take those two people who voted twice. Two people did vote twice. You couldn't know about those two votes until Election Day. And, you know, I, 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 nobody has an army of poll watchers to be sure every single person who votes, yeah. wait, we, we noticed on here that you voted early, and now you're voting here again on Election Day. I mean, that's that's a lot to expect a candidate to do, you know. Well, what uh... – I don't, you know, when you look at something like this, if this would have been a 500 vote win, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. If it was a 150 vote win, we might not have this conversation. But a one vote win, that's what we, that's really what we argued on. And then you did find some discrepancies, so have a new election, right? Is that, is that the argument, basically? I think, I think that's the simplest way. Now, I will tell you, you know, we're starting to hear from the NAACP and the, those those groups saying, you know, you're just trying to suppress the vote that he won fairly, and they're trying to say that he's won twice now because they think he won by one on election day and then he won in the recount. Yeah, but hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, stop! I want you to explain people to recount. They didn't recount every vote of forty three thousand. They only recounted seven thousand mail in ballots. Explain that too, because when they say recount, we didn't recount every vote. That's right. And that's a that's a whole nother discussion about whether or not someday for the machines that we ought to go to paper ballots. But that's a whole nother discussion. And and, I mean, I I don't I don't have faith. I mean, I I don't think anything cannot be hacked, Moon, which is why when the Department of Defense and some of our major financial institutions in America can be hacked, then do we really think our 2005 voting machines can't be hacked? I just I don't believe that. But that's a that's a separate topic, paper ballots. But you're right, 7,700 absentee ballots. But in those absentee ballots, Moon, a, a number of them that got counted were ones that some of them hadn't even been signed by the individual voting, and a bunch of them hadn't been witnessed at all. 
And well, some of them have been written. That's illegal. It is. Point. It is illegal. Yeah. And and the, the the registrar voter testified that, and, and I'm sure he's well intentioned. So is the clerk of court. But he said, well, if we possibly can figure out the voter intent, we try to count the vote. And my thought immediately was, well, that might be a, a nice sentiment to be if you're the registrar, but it doesn't follow the law. The law says if it's not signed and witnessed correctly, it just doesn't get counted. Because this is the difference, man. If we show up in person, whether it's at the registrar's voting in early voting, there you are in person, show them your ID, sign the slip, vote with that little plastic card. That's early voting. Or on election day, there you are <clears throat> standing right in front of them, again with your license, signing the voting roll to then go in behind the curtains. They see you right there. They see if your ID matches you. A lot of times they already know you. When you vote absentee, there aren't any of those assurances. So all the law can do is demand that if you're going to vote absentee, you have to execute the ballot in a certain way. And that's certainly for the voter to sign it and then to have it, have it witnessed. But there's, there's an indication that in some of the, the black areas, a gentleman goes through the nursing home and witnesses a whole bunch of ballots. Well, you absolutely cannot do that. Okay. One per- it's supposed to be a family member that witnesses the ballots, and certainly one person can't witness 50 ballots. That defeats the did whole that, purpose. Did that happen a uh, bunch? It, it, if it only, that's the thing. If it only happened in one nursing home, that's enough to, I mean, again, a one-vote margin. Like you say, man, you know, in a race where the winner wins by 300 or 400 or 500, even if you say 100 bad votes, okay, well, now they just win by 400 instead of 500. We throw out the 100 bad votes. But with one, one vote, I mean, even even just the, if the courts, if the Louisiana Supreme Court says, and I'm just playing it out in my head, both arguments. The Louisiana Supreme Court said, we're sorry, the law says you have to object four days ahead of time to defective ballots. The Nicholson campaign didn't do that. So those were waived. So all that's left is this double vote. Mm -hmm. Even the two people who voted twice, that's two extra votes. That's one more than is necessary to change the outcome with a one vote, you know, margin of victory. So I I just, and then I think I'm I'm overanalyzing it, but then I, I could just truly see the Louisiana Supreme Court saying it's been addressed by two judges. Yeah. But if they see something like an interpretation of law in the statute that you remember two, two years ago, that mayor Adrian Perkins yep. was knocked out of the ranks for a mayor. Now his problem was that he failed to fill out the notice of candidacy correctly. Mm-hmm. That, and that's a, that was a different analysis. And, but still, Two courts had said, sorry, he didn't do it correctly. He doesn't get to run. The Louisiana came in, Supreme Court came in and said, well, the statute specifically pre- precluded certain things and didn't specifically preclude here that he um, okay. write down the address where he got his home uh, homestead exemption. That was different for Adrian, Mayor Perkins. Well, he you, ultimately ran and lost. I mean, of course. Hold, you know. hold your thought. I want to come back. A couple more quick questions. I'll get you out of here. But let me take a quick break. Roy Alexander is an attorney watching this Cattle Parish Sheriff deal. That, uh, we'll see if the Supreme Court even hears it at all. We'll take a break. You're listening to the Moon Graffon Show.
She would love that. I'd be gone. <laughs> Little inside joke, folks. Anyway, great to have you back. 844-766-6607. Royal Alexander, attorney out of the Shreveport, Bossier area, joining us right now to talk a little bit about the case. Hey, hey, hey Royal, if, if this case goes to the Supreme Court, okay, what do they do to determine the outcome? Do they just read the information that's been laid out there? Do the, do does uh, both sides get to go present a case? Did they both get twenty minutes? How does that work when they go to state supreme court? I think you know these. That's a great question. The Second Circuit, a, a, court, a court of appeal, and that's what both of them are: the Second Circuit and the Supreme Court. Ultimately, is the ultimate court of appeal, but. A court of appeal can decide, you know, we want to hear oral arguments. We have a few questions that we don't think were addressed in either the trial court or the Second Circuit. So, yes, the the court, Second Circuit Court of Appeal in Shreveport allowed for oral argument. I think it was 30 minutes both sides. Um, the Louisiana Supreme Court could have the attorneys go down there and make those same arguments. And you always get some sense, and you've heard this about U.S. Supreme Court oral argument moves, you get, and then you can be wrong by the way the judge asked the question too, thinking, well, they're leaning this way, and that's not the way they rule. But it does give some indication to hear a panel of judges or justices asking questions, because that's really telling both sides what's on the justice's mind and lead to how they may rule. But in this, yeah, or thing, let me again, let me let me stop oh, you. Can they make? Can the Supreme Court just make a decision? They they got to read something to say no. We're not going to hear it. Or yes, we're going to hear it. I mean, they got to. Got to at least take the testimony that's before them. Am I correct? Or they no, could just reject the case. Could, they could just say, we are rejecting the writ. Okay. We're not going to grant the writ, and the case is done. And and I could see them doing that because, again, Moon, in the year 2000, there was a case out of Red River Parish that was decided, a sheriff race like this one, decided by three votes. Wow. The difference in that one, though, was the candidate trying to defeat the incumbent was – uh, made some effort to object. In fact, he objected categorically four days before the election to all the absentee ballots. It's just like, Moon, you going in there representing a campaign or the candidate themselves saying, I categorically object to all the ballots. A court can look and say, well, that counts for due diligence. on the." And that's one other thing we didn't talk about in the first segment, Moon. A candidate or a campaign has to show some effort of due diligence mm -hmm. to correct the defective ballots before Election Day. And they're arguing, well, John Nicholson didn't start making objections till after Election Day. And I would come back. It's like I've, in my mind, been on, if I were the attorney for either side, I feel like I w would make those arguments. But um, Nicholson come back, comes back and says, but I didn't know about the double voting, so I couldn't have made that objection. Sure. But then the other side could say, well, what did you do? Did you even have anyone in there the day of? Did you? Mm -hmm. So... It, it, you know, these courts, especially the Supreme Court, they're looking at statewide precedent. They know whatever they write in this opinion, if they hear it, mm -hmm. which is why sometimes it's just easier for the top court to not hear something. Because in the future, any of these election challenges, they're going to go back to what then will be called Nicholson versus Whitehorn. Mm -hmm. And those are the two candidates. And it'll be thrown back up in the face of the Louisiana Supreme Court, however they rule here. But, again, with a one-vote margin, it's like Moon, like you said a minute ago, I'm sure there's some fraud and irregularities in every election. And, and sometimes it's just human error. Sometimes it's just when you have over 40,000 votes, which is unfortunately a very low turnout, 
um, at, when you have that, mistakes will be made. And usually, if you got 50 or 100 bad votes and the winner wins about 400, it doesn't matter because yeah. it doesn't change the outcome. But, me, but here yeah. – No, go ahead and finish. No, no, but but here with a one-vote margin. Go ahead, man. No, what I'm saying is you got a one-vote margin. You only had 28% of registered voters turn out. Somebody, I'm over there kicking my butt going, I ain't telling no. I get it. I bet if you went in that parish and asked everybody registered voters, did they vote? Every one of them, so I voted. I voted. And one vote, five votes. A family could have went vote. It would have changed the outcome of, or helped Mr. Whitehorn win by a bigger margin. Uh, but last thing, and this has nothing to do with this case, but it really does. You know, Brandon Trostclair was out there. And everybody thought, well, Brandon don't know what he's talking about. But he did talk about being able to, we cannot order our elections. You cannot go back and audit every vote. He was right. He was right about that part of his argument. He was 100% right. He, he totally was, and Brandon deserves great credit. He does. Sometimes when the person in a campaign, sometimes when you run Moon and make a strong point, even if you don't win, Brandon Trosclair raised the debate to uh, the statewide level about the need for paper ballots. He absolutely did that, and we ought to be grateful to him. Yeah, and I, I talked to uh, Miss Landry, Nancy Landry, and Nancy said that the new machines will have a traceable paper ballot. It may not be counted that way, but if you got something like this, you can go back and count every vote. All right, Royal, God bless. Yeah, Thank you what, so much. Good, buddy. Take care, Moon. All right, thanks. All right, folks, going to take a quick break. Be right back. More to Moon Graffon Show. Don't go nowhere. Can't rip a con giveaway. We'll do that at the end of the second hour.
Hi, y'all. Welcome back to Moon Graffon Show. Great to have you with us. 844-766-6607 is the number. Okay, so we, we heard uh, Royal. We heard about elections and no way to go back and count the votes. I've asked Brandon Trotzclair to join us again. Brandon, how you doing? Well, I'm doing great this morning, Moon. How are you? Have you been keeping up what's going on in um in uh oh Shreveport? Oh, I de- I definitely have. Uh, the phone rings daily about it, and the emails, and people wanting help and wanting solutions and answers and all the above. So I'm very aware of what's uh, well, what's going on. I was never I, the whole time you were doing that. We've had you on many many times to explain, and I played devil's advocate with you because I didn't I didn't believe our elections. Well, anything wrong with our elections because the outcomes were like I wanted them to be for the most part. So I'm not going there with you. What I'm going to want you to talk about is, so let's say your system was in place. What would be going on right now with this, quote, recount? Well, you, you Because you remember, let me back up. Vote. Remember, they only counted the mail-in ballots. That was it. The other 36,000 was all in the machine, and you said it all along. There's no way to... Go back and audit the election. You, you're right. That's correct. The only thing that you can audit here in Louisiana is the mail-in paper ballots, which is only about 9% of our votes. There's no way to audit. There's no way to, to, to recount the rest of it, and that's been my problem since day one. So if Trostclair's system was in place, which is a proven system in multiple states around the country, you would have had a certified, auditable election within 45 minutes of the polls closing the first time, and they wouldn't be going through all this rigmarole. It's a circus, and the, the people of Louisiana should be embarrassed. You had a certified election where you can recount every single ballot, yeah. not just 9% of the ballots. And by the way, it would only be 43,000. We're not talking about 43 million. It, it, it doesn't matter how many it is, Moon. We had a system in place, a proven system in place, that we would have gave the people of Louisiana a certified counted election within 45 minutes of the polls closing in the first place. doesn't matter if it's 43,000 or not. But to your point, guess who they're calling? They're calling us and wanting us to do demos and an example on how we can do uh, a hand count paper ballot up there in Shreveport for the next election. Mm -hmm. And that's the right way. That's the the most transparent and honest way to have an election. So you want want an election that's paper ballots from start to finish? There's there's no other way. You, you go to recount, and what are you recounting? You're only able to count the paper ballots. There's no way to audit our elections here in Louisiana. No, you said that. No. I'm, tell, I'm saying right now, I'm calling you like everybody else because you were right about that because they mm-hmm. proved it in Caddo. Not a cut on Caddo. Right. Right. It's just where it's happening. You get a one-vote right. win, uh, so to speak, then you start finding about irregularities. Well, if you had a paper ballot to trace all that, to trail all that, then you yep. could actually account every ballot. Hey, maybe the guy won by 113 votes. Maybe he lost yep. by 17. I don't know. We're not going to ever know yep. now. And that's why yep. I think they need to go to – they probably need to have another election. Uh, and I agree. I think that's going to be happening, I believe, in March, if, I, if my understanding is correct. So, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, we've been – it really it's twofold. It's one that there's no accountability and transparency with the election process, but then it's also we can get into the dirty registration rules. If you clean up the registration as well, you don't have to worry about how many people – dead people voted in that, in that election in Shreveport. Was it five, they said? There was, there was um, a number. That, I don't remember the number, but they, they, they claimed yeah. there was some dead people that voted. I mean, you might be right you, on a number. Cl- I don't remember. Up, 
clean up your registration like they're supposed to, like the people of Louisiana deserve, and then you give them a completely transparent uh, election process, and everybody feels safe and secure and, and honest about, hey, what, if you lost by one, you lost by one. Here's the proof in the pudding. Yeah. Now, right now, I mean, both of these candidates, you know, they both have their arguments. No matter what, they're both – somebody's done cry foul even in the March election because there's no accountability and transparency, and I feel bad for both of them. I've met both of them on the campaign trail. Um, as you know, I've, I've visited Shreveport sure. 22 times, and they're sure. both great guys, fantastic guys, and I feel bad for both of them. Yeah, this is uh, my big thing I wanted to concentrate with you. So let's talk about today. Let's say the election was over, one vote, mm-hmm. and they say we're going to redo the votes. Under your system that you were trying to implement, what would we be doing today? We had a one-vote victory, but we had some – questions and problems you recount on a one vote victory anyway okay let's be blunt if it gets within a certain percentage you recount anyway so what your system what would you be doing right now if your system was in place well you you can just show it you can let the people audit you can audit at the precinct level um, or the whole district on that sheriff's district the whole caddo parish you can recount them all again in every single one and be done with a matter of hours and have it totally done again. And again, if it's done correctly, the vote tally should match the same exact thing as what they had on uh, on election day. And again, you can audit that system, and there's proof in that system. And you know, again, you can go down to every single precinct or the whole parish and, and figure out where where was an irregularity. Um, yeah. And again, so you just do it over again. Takes a matter of a few hours, and and you're done, and you got the the, the right vote count again from the get go. The clerks that were a very simple process. Yeah, Brandon Trotsky, who ran for Secretary of State. Brandon, the clerks that were against you, and I heard a bunch of them were, just said yeah. there's no way we can hand count when the election's over. We got old workers, we got people that are tired, they've been there for 10, 12 hours, whatever the time is. You can't ask them to stick around and count the vote, and that's gonna take them half a day. That was the argument against what you were trying to do. That's correct. It's, it's because the clerks were not open, open-minded. They didn't want to see the system that we have in place that they use in Texas, that they use in Arkansas, like they use in Missouri and Florida. We had a system where it would take one more person than what they currently have at the polls, and within 45 minutes of the polls closing, you would be counted. You know, you got this argument by, by, by moon by smart people. They're running around and saying we can't count tens of thousands of votes at every single precinct in one night. Well, Moon, here in Louisiana, we have very, very small precincts. The average precinct is 750 voters, and you got less than 50% turnout. It's going to take you in no time to count those three. Well, let me back up. The, a- the precincts have 750 voters. You had uh, thirty. You had less than 30% turnout. So let's yeah. just, uh, I mean, ooh. Fifty percent would be would be three seventy five. Fifty percent would be three seventy five, and you almost had half of that. So you could you know you could put it at two hundred votes. That would be about two hundred votes a precinct. My point is that's how it would be so simple. They got precincts up there in Caddo Parish where they had like sixteen people vote. You know, in the in the in last year's election. So there's very very small precincts, and that's the benefit that we have here in Louisiana. Small precincts. It's not going to take you all day and all night and several days and weeks. That's, that's, that's a misconception of the process. That's what happened in Arizona when they're dealing with Dominion tabulators, not a hand-counted paper ballot. 
So the problem there was, and look, my problem has never been with the clerks. I think they've done a great job. But my argument with them was, is that they were closed-minded and didn't want to see what the process looked like because they believe that it's too cumbersome and it can't be done when we're showing them a proven system. So, again, my system, you had a hand-marked secure paper ballot back there in, in October or, again, in the runoff or whatever in November. You had a certified election that night, and if somebody wanted to cry foul, you recount it again, and you're going to get the same, uh, the same um, vote tally again a second time and say, here, count them yourself. Yeah. You want to bring in the representatives and your attorneys from your uh, deal? Count them yourself. Well, my big, reason, my, my big reason for calling you that, you that I'm claiming you were right on, you said mm-hmm. we have no way to audit our deal. And Correct. we're watching it take place in a election where you have one. Yeah, when you win by 27,000 votes, me and you both get it. When you win yep. by one yep. or five or eight, and you had some yep. discrepancies, how do we fix yep. that? And uh, now we're in court one. Now court two could be at the Supreme Court. However they rule, somebody's going to be mad. However they rule. And they should be. And they should be. And they should be. Yeah, and then you're gonna have the but, race yeah. prep factor because the Democrats will holler race no matter what. So you got that coming into play. And they can get mad at me for saying that, but that always comes into play no matter what. But the fact of the matter Moon. is, uh, Moon. what? It's a lose lose situation for the people up there, no matter what. And at the end of the day, you go to page five of the Louisiana Legislative Audit Report. And it clearly says in there, Louisiana doesn't audit our elections, nor do we even have the ability to audit our elections. Our elected officials and our leaders know this, they've been knowing this, and they failed the people of Louisiana. All righty, They know that we got a problem, and they haven't done anything to fix it. I I think I'm giving credit where credit is due. You said it, and now we're watching it. So, anyway, good luck to you, sir. Thank you, Moon. Appreciate right, you, brother. All right. God bless. We appreciate it. All right. Take a break. Your calls are welcome. 844-766-6607. Matthew James Tax Wealth Management Hotline.
Welcome back to the Moon Graffon Show, where he's just, uh, as a talk show host, he's just busy talking, just not in the room. That's all to do with my engineer. Engineer's over here in my ear over here about some stuff, and so I was making sure we get we get uh, clear clearance with the engineer. How's that sound? Anyway, great to have you with us. 844-766-6607 is the number. It is uh, Matthew James, Tax Wealth Management. Hotline, don't forget we're going to give away Kane Rebecans at the end of next hour. Uh, coming at the top of the hour, we have, I know at the bottom of the hour, Liz Morell is going to join us. He's awesome. Solicitor General, soon to be Attorney General. Uh, also at the top of the hour, Danny McCormick, Representative Danny McCormick, about these concealed carry permits. And uh, trying to get it where you don't have to register for one anymore, Joe. In other words, you can carry without that. So uh, Danny's been trying to get some stuff passed. He's bringing it back up again. Of course, the media's freaking out. Speaking of the media. Joe Biden, you know, Joe Biden has the same approval number as uh, as Bell Edwards. They both in the upper 30s. Exact same approval number as Bell. I'm not making it up. They both in the upper 30s. Now, I get a kick out of this because I told you I'm not going to let Edwards and the devil's advocate tell y'all about Bell and how great Bell did. Bell hurt his state. He devastated it. So what do they do? They starting all the puff pieces at the end of the year of old Bell Edwards and oh look what he did. So now Stephanie Grace, who don't have a clue about nothing, interviews him, and she mentions again about expanding Medicaid. Best decision you made. No question, Bill says. And let me just finish it. Over half a million working poor Louisiana's have health insurance. Joe, a lot of people had health insurance. They got off of company health insurance, and they went on Medicaid. Because they went from paying something, I have to pay a dang thing. That's costing us a half a billion dollars a year. And it ain't good to be on government care. He is bragging about government. He cannot brag about anything else. And when I look at all these articles, he can't talk about nothing but government, 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 government. That's it. Bell says that's a good thing. It helped address our record budget problems that I inherited it, the $2 billion budget deficit, folks. And I'm not going to lose my mind. I know some of you people say, I'm, I'm sick of you saying, I'm sick. Well, you're going to let him keep saying it. You've been letting him say it for eight years, and it's a lie. It's a lie from hell. He can never prove a $2 billion budget deficit. Just like zero Z's rain. I'll come back and show you. It was almost a year ago, it was nine months. Zero Zizarang, big Republican fraud squad, Clay Shakespeare boy. Never came back. Bella's lying. And let me just say this again, and I don't know how else to put the joke. I don't have a truck note now, okay? But when I first bought my truck, I had a truck note. Now, if I go get a truck and you bought a vehicle before, and you probably had to pay a monthly note. If you didn't, you were blessed. Okay, I hate, I hate a vehicle note. Don't, lie, don't mind buying a vehicle, but I hate a vehicle note. So, Joe, when you, when you bought your vehicle, you had to sign what, two, three thousand papers. Okay, you signed it with your name on it, correct? And then you committed to pay a certain four hundred a month, whatever it was. So, here's my question: Did you inherit that car note and that truck, or did you, or did you sign off on it? I made the conscious decision to, to take on that debt. Okay, stop right there. Bingo. Right answer. Everybody knows that. Bell Edwards is telling everybody, old Bell boy, 
is out there telling everybody, oh, no, I inherited. The dude was a representative for Bobby Jindal's eight years. This is a fact. He cannot argue with this. I don't give a damn how much lawyer he got in him. He was a Bobby Jindal floor leader. He voted for eight. He voted for six of the first seven budgets. He did not inherit a $2 billion budget deficit. It was $1.2 billion at the most. And if you go back and look at the election with Vitter, they were talking about an $850 million that went from $1.2 to $2 billion. They made it up. Him and Jay Darden made it up. And he had the advocate, the devil's advocate, who does not care about the truth, will never print the truth about bail. They started repeating that. I've been losing my mind for eight years on this. Why? Because they're lying. I saw it. Jim Inkster had his last radio program, and Jim said, how honest he was. Jim, wake up. There's no honesty in this guy. He's not an honor code guy. There was no $2 billion budget deficit. Let's say he was right about that part of it. He didn't inherit it. He signed off to it. When he votes, Joe, it's like signing that note. He signed off to those budgets. And I don't count the last one because he was running for governor. But he can't. this is the puff piece of that filthy, nasty John George's piece of crap, the devil's advocate. Okay, there was no $2 billion deficit, and he didn't inherit any of it. He voted for it, folks. It makes me so mad to see him still putting out the lie. Then he starts talking about Medicaid, okay? He's talking about how Louisiana is so much better than Florida and Texas. Really? Because they didn't take it. They didn't take it because they're not trying to see how many poor people they can create. They're trying to see how many people they can create that are wealthy can do for themselves. Edwards, minimum wage increase, Medicaid. Yeah, people are running to Florida and uh, Texas because they're not looking for Medicaid expansion and minimum wage increase. It's, it's unbelievable what this guy's done to us that people are allowing them. Then it got into abortion. But, of course, she never brings up that John. Why didn't she ask one question? John, Bill Edwards, sir, what do you think about a woman's right to choose? And back, actually, if you look at his answers on some of this stuff, he starts talking about the Supreme Court and things of that. And he's all over the place. So then they ask him about climate change. I want to go back to something I reminded you. She at least got this right. Climate wasn't a big topic in the 2015 election. No, he never ran on this in 2019. He started on this after his last election, and he started on this when he went to Glasgow or wherever, when he went over there and said, hey, when I get out of office, I can make a lot of money if I bring in the Green New Deal. And nobody can argue with me on this because that's where he's going, and that's what he's going to make money on, all this ignorance of this climate change crazy crap. You know what Bedwood says? It was not a big issue in 2015. It ain't a big issue now. It's not even an issue at all. But he talks about the hurricanes. Yep, go back to the budget. Without hurricanes, without floods, our budget, we're screwed. He got $7 billion in tax increases. He's doing stuff like, you know, it's the hottest year ever. He just listens to stuff and says, 95% of climate scientists believe climate change is real. Hey, Bill, get it right. It's 97%, and all of them work for government. He thinks we got a moral obligation to do something with the planet. 
We couldn't do something with the planet no matter what kind of obligation we had. He's stuck on this green. We had, we've had $55 billion worth of low and no-carb energy projects announced in Louisiana. You remember how he's kind of bragging about investment? Federal money, there would be no investment. That $55 billion comes here, which it ain't. But if it did, they're going to pocket some of that. So he pockets $50 million or $30 million. Folks, this is a joke. The Green New Deal is a joke. Thank God. Come the 8th, he's not the governor. Mog, worse we've ever had. Bobby Jindal is looking better every single day. We'll take a break. We'll be right back.
Hi, y'all. Welcome back. Moon Show. Great to have you with us. 844-766. Actually, going to call about 10 after. 844-766-6607. Danny McComb is supposed to call at about, uh, I think, about 10 after, 10 or 15 now, whenever. We'll get him on here about the concealed carry permits. By the way, if you want to email me and win some cane ripicons, you can do that as well. Uh, moongrafon.com, moongrafon.com. And uh, it's moon at moongrafon.com. I'm sorry, that's my web. That's my web page. So we can give you some pecans, maybe get a shot to win some pecans and have a good time. A lot of people that won, they're all bragging about them, and uh, we do appreciate that. Yeah, I'm a uh, – somebody can say, well, you just, you're just long, you just don't like Bill Edwards. I, I don't know the man. I only met him once when I went to the mansion. Met him twice. Met him at a, at a debate I went watching. I'm I just not going to let him sit here and let the media push him up and write a legacy that's not true. That's all I'm saying. He shouldn't be able to go around. His, his poll numbers, except when the advocate does the polls in the 30s. He got booed at the LSU uh, ladies basketball game last year. He got booed at the LSU baseball team, won a national championship last year. And this year at the LSU football game, he got booed again. I'm talking about big-time boos. Media didn't write about that. People know. I don't care what the advocate tries to write or what they're trying to create of this guy. He hurt us. All he can talk about is government, and he's getting ready to make a fortune in the Green New Deal. He wants to argue with me, just welcome to come on the program as long as he wants. You know? He's a smart, shifty, brilliant lawyer. I'm a dumb talk show host. He ought to have no problem whipping the dumb talk show host. All right, let's jump gears. Representative Danny McCormick, McCormick joins. Danny, how you doing? I'm doing great, Moon. How you doing today? Pretty good. Merry Christmas to you, if I don't get to see you again. You bet. You bet. I'm looking forward to it. Going, going to try to put on about five pounds. Uh, that's <laughs> probably a given no matter who you are. <laughs> if you take any time <laughs> off and enjoy life, you're going to gain a few pounds. That's that's just part of it. All right, Dan, let's talk about his concealed carry permit. What, you try, what are you trying to get past that? Because of this horrendous governor and horrendous leadership, you haven't been able to get it across the uh, finish line, but you feel good now. Yeah, I'm feeling good about it. I'm, I'm very, very happy to have a conservative governor, Jeff Landry, and uh, and looking forward to carrying that bill under his leadership. And uh, we, you know, which constitutional carry bill basically says if you can uh, legally open carry in Louisiana, you can legally uh, conceal carry without a permit. It's uh, it's legal in 26 states now. Every state that touches Louisiana has it, and uh, we're just trying to give the freedoms and liberties back to the people of Louisiana that were taken uh, from them that uh, they uh, they deserve. And and I'm very happy to have different leadership to run this bill. We've been we've been running it hard. It's very popular in Louisiana, and uh, exciting about getting constitutional carry passed. Well, tell people what constitution constitutional carry will mean to them because, it, you know, you hear it, you hear it, you hear it, but a lot of times it's not explained. So I want you to tell people what this will do that changes from what we're doing now. It means that you can, can, uh, can conceal carry a firearm without a, a government permit or paying a fee to the government. And uh, basically now in Moon, Moon in Louisiana, you, uh, you can open carry a firearm, say, for instance, on your side. But if you put a coat on and cover, cover up that firearm, now you're a criminal. 
And, uh, and, wow. and of course, like any other laws, only uh, law-abiding citizens will be able to carry these, uh, carry your weapons uh, concealed. And uh, like I said, it's in 26 states has it now, and we're excited about making Louisiana that state. Now, I do want to make this specifically clear to your listeners, Moon. If this bill does passes, pass, uh, you will have a freedom to carry uh, concealed with a permit more places than you can concealed than you can constitutional carry. So the permitting process would be, still be in place because uh, we have reciprocity with other states and people want to keep that reciprocity. Uh, they're able to carry concealed in, in more places with a uh, uh, concealed uh, permit, but uh, with constitutional carry will allow uh, you know, you're talking about hundreds of dollars to go through this government uh, red tape to be able to get a license to carry a gun. In Louisiana, there are a lot of people that can't afford those fees. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, I guess, Danny, you know, when I go down the road and travel, a lot of times I'll put a gun right there on the front seat. I just leave it out in the open, and they tell me that's, that's all good. But what you're telling me is if I wanted to carry a gun, I won't have to have a permit. And I can carry it anywhere I want to? Is there still places you can't carry? No, there's still places you can't carry. And before you start carrying with, with or without a permit, you need to research the laws because there are will be places that you can't carry. And any business, uh, too, can put a sign on the front door asking you not to open carry or conceal carry with or without a permit on their door. Uh-huh. So each this won't inflect individual businesses' liberty to decide who they want to carry in their facility or not. And, of course, there are several government facilities you can't carry in. So before you start exercising your constitutional carry rights, you need to make sure that uh, that you research it properly so you know what your limitations are. But, Danny, does that mean anybody can carry at that point or just if you're a law-abiding citizen, you automatically can carry, which is basically what the Constitution says? Yes, you have to be a law-abiding citizen. You uh you know, there are people that are exempt, uh, that aren't, aren't able to carry a weapon one way or the other, whether it's uh, with a permit, without a permit, or, or open carrying. Those people, this doesn't apply to them, just the law-abiding citizens. Uh, I'd say, you know, for instance, Moon, in Louisiana, you have to be 21 years old to get a concealed carry mm-hmm. permit. And so right now, an 18, 19, 20-year-old girl cannot put a pistol in her purse, no matter how proficient she is with a weapon, and protect herself from rapists and murders. Wow. To me, that is completely un- un- unbelievable that we would allow 18-year-old girls that are most vulnerable in their life not allow the protection of a firearm. It's, it's just it's unbelievable to me. But if you get everything passed, Danny, that young girl can put a 38 or whatever in her purse, and she won't have to go get tests. She won't have to be approved for anything. She can just put it in a purse, and there's nothing to worry about. That, that's correct. And as long as she carries within the limits of the law, that's correct. And, uh, you know, if she's walking out to her, her uh, car, uh, you, know, in the, at, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, she can put her hand in her purse, put her hand on her pistol, and, and she's, she has the uh, ability to, to uh, confront a rapist or a murderer that may attack her. Right now, Louisiana doesn't give them that right, and we're hoping to give those rights to them uh, uh, in, the, in the regular session when we bring these bills so, up. So right now, Danny, let's say – I'm going out of town. Let's say I'm going to Shreveport, going to see you, whatever. And I decide to carry a gun but don't have a permit. How much trouble can I get in? Well, you could, it, your vehicle in Louisiana is considered. I'm not talking about the vehicle. Home, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about when I get out, I walk in a hotel room, spend a night in Shreveport, and 
and put up a gun on me that's hid. Am I under? Am I against uh, against the law at that point? Yes, you're a criminal. Oh that's my correct. God! I'm glad they don't always check me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm seriously, I'm not leaving. Saying. I'm not leaving my gun in a truck if I'm standing at a hotel somewhere in Louisiana because I'm not. So, like I said, I'm glad they you don't bet. check me because if they check me, Moon going to jail. They are basic. Louisiana has basically taken the right to self-defense away from you, and that's shameful. Well, I don't have a I don't have a concealed carry permit. I'm just being blunt with you. I I want to put it in my truck. I put it in my truck, but I'll be dang if I'm gonna not bring it into the hotel or the state somewhere. That way, I would be dumb right. just to leave it in your truck. I, I agree, it would be. But you know, Louisiana does dumb things, so that's <laughs> you know. But we're we're looking forward to it. it it's it's one of the most popular bills in Louisiana. And uh, we're way overdue of getting this legalized. Let me, I'm going to change gears with you for the next couple minutes that I got you. Uh, are we going to get closed primaries? You th- is that going to be, sw- this is what bothers me. Uh, and I'm staying out the way. Jeff's going to have his agenda. I know Jeff. Y'all, I mean, this is a big victory if you, a month or two ago. But it's con- if you get so involved in the taxes and everything going on, will something like closed primaries get swept away? Or do you feel like the Republicans will make this one of the many priorities in this first session? Because I think if you're going to get it done, you got to get it done in the first session. Just your thoughts. Yeah, I'm, I definitely support closed primaries, and, and I haven't talked to, to uh, Governor Landry about it, but I've, 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 uh, I've been told that he does support them too, and, and hopefully we will get it. I don't know particularly anybody right now that's uh, carrying that bill. We're still a long ways away from March, though. But, yes, we need to get closed primaries uh, passed so yeah, we you can see, get rid of uh, – But well, what, what, The reason I'm bringing it up to you, first of all, you're on the radio with me. But, number two, the reason I'm asking is I know what happens. Everybody talks about all this stuff during the election, and you get through the election, then everybody focuses on some of the stuff, not all of it. And I think if this gets swept away uh, before this first session's over, it'll never get done. And that's that's what and I don't want a watered down version of it. I mean, it at least needs to be the federal and the statewide and the and the local representative and Senate races. If we just started there. I think we can see a difference in the state. I, I agree. I don't think we would have John Bell Edwards for eight years if we had closed primaries. That's how important this is. I mean, you as you very well know, probably what would have happened, what I would prefer to have. You have the. Uh, the uh, primary elections in the spring, and uh, and then whoever loses gets gives them about six months from getting over being butt hurt about losing, and uh, they can get behind the winner of the Republican Party and uh, the general election in the fall, and uh, and and elect good conservative leaders. But the, but what the, uh, jungle primaries in Louisiana's favor the Democrats, not the Republicans right now. I agree a hundred percent. Well, Democrats. I think the black Democrats will want to vote for it. White Democrats won't. But you got a lot of rhinos that don't want no part of this. Anyway, Danny, let you go. Good luck with the bill. It's going to be an interesting year. Merry Christmas. God bless. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great day. All right, take care. All right, we're going to take another break. When we get back, more of the Moon Graffon Show. Liz Merle, Solicitor General, Attorney General-elect, will join us for a few minutes after coming out of the bottom hour.
<clears throat> Hi, y'all. Welcome back. Moon Graffon Show. Great to have you with us. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year from the Moon Graffon Show. Easy listening sounds of the Moon Graffon Show. Nonpartisan, most nonpartisan, nonpolitical show on the air today, anywhere in the, in the United States of America. Hey, folks, I've been bragging about South Star Urgent Care. Okay? South Star Urgent Care. So I told you my experience. This was last, This was this Monday. This week, son was feeling bad. Bride went to where I've been telling you to go, southstarmoon.com, southstarmoon.com. And you can check in online. Didn't realize we had one right around the corner where I live. She was in and out. She set up the appointment before she ever went. Folks, this is awesome. They open after hours. They open on some weekends. All you got to do is go to southstarmoon.com, southstarmoon.com, and they take care of you. Here's another quick story. Yesterday, Joe, I told you this. Friend of mine, let's just call him Philip. Philip says, Hey, man, uh, South Star Urgent Care, right? I said, Yeah, go to southstarmoon.com. He went, texted me back later, got an appointment at 12.05. He went in. I called him, Philip, how you feeling? Doing fine. They think I might have some kind of flu. I said, How'd it go? He said, Man, you talk about easy and you talk about treated right. Philip, my good friend Philip said, Man, we were treated really, really well. And we had an opportunity to check in. We had our appointment scheduled to go in. I got everything I needed. They tested me for stuff. They treated me for stuff. And they worked really good. I'm telling y'all, South Star Urgent Care started right here in Louisiana and Lafayette. It's, it's spread out not only in Louisiana and other states. But if you're looking for the right urgent care, trust me from my experiences and trust my friend Philip. Because he said professional. Treat you like you want to be treated. You didn't feel like a number. You felt like a patient. You felt like a patient that was going to somebody who cared how I feel. That's South Star Urgent Care. But I need you to go to southstarmoon.com, southstarmoon.com. They can treat you just about for anything. But, hey, you can get your appointments early. It's the place to go. South Star Urgent Care. Go to southstarmoon.com. It's it's I'm just telling y'all, they got a lot of good ones probably out there, but these people know what they're doing. Know how to treat you different. Anyway, so I don't have long in this segment. I just wanted to touch a couple of things on this. Uh, so Bel Air was asked by Stephanie Grace. Uh, it wasn't a big issue in 2015, but look at what happened. Since 15, 56 Paris declared major federal disaster from flooding. That's happened before. That didn't come from a named storm. That's happened before. It came from two afternoon thunderstorms that stuck around for multiple days. Dropped record amounts of rain. Happened before. Then unprecedented uh, numbers and severity of hurricanes, including two strongest storms ever to hit our state. Happened before. We had winter storms. We had droughts. It's happened before. Joe, we had a winter storm a year or two ago when electricity was out for three days. Droughts. We've had droughts. Go pull it up. Bell Edwards is just full of bunk. He act like it only happened under his watch. We've had winter storms. We had droughts. We've had wildfires. We've had wildfires before. We've had low Mississippi River allowing saltwater intrusion. Joe, that's happened so many times. He just rattles crap. And he threatened our drinking water. I mean, you just need to be aware of what's happening. Then you listen to the scientists. Hottest record ever. 95% of climate scientists believe climate change is real. And everyone unpaid by the government. But I believe in going to be successful is the economic investments we made. 
No matter where you stand on climate, everybody appreciates investment, economic development, jobs, careers. We had $55 billion worth of low, no-carbon energy projects announced in Louisiana. Really? 80,000 net jobs. Where are they? Who's getting those jobs? That's not true. This is, this is ludicrous from this guy. Because they're still thinking we're a traditional all state. No, we, as a matter of fact, the oil and gas companies, are, yeah, they're crazy. They want the money. I, but he says, yes, I'm, obviously I'm concerned about the way Jeff Landry has talked about the energy tra- transition and climate change. But at the end of the day, other states are doing it too, and they're crazy too. This guy's sick about this, man. He's going to make his money in this. That's why he's for it. But when it breaks and it falls and it destroys us, I want y'all to remember Bell. Remember Bell bragging about it. He's talking about Landry saying, well, climate change is a hoax. It is. It's the biggest communist movement that's ever went across the United States. Ever. Ever. Anyway. Then he mentions Bobby Jindal again. You know? Look at where they were under Bobby Jindal. Hey, Bell, were you not a representative for eight years under Bobby? Were you not a floor leader for Bobby? Folks, he was. He was the floor leader for Bobby Jindal for the Democrat Party. He helped Bobby get those budgets across. He can't deny that. Media forgot to mention that. Wonder why. All right, when we get back, Attorney General-elect Liz Merle. We'll be right back.
Hi, y'all. Welcome back. Moon Graffon Show. What a great day. Don't forget Cane Rub Pecan Giveaway. Email me, moon at moongraffon.com. Say you want to win. We'll pick somebody here before the end of the hour. 844-766-6607. Matthew James, Matthew James Tax Wealth Management Hotline. We are honored to have our, well, she's a solicitor general, but she's also attorney general elect. Liz Merle joins us. Liz, I already got a bone to pick with you. What? What could you possibly have to complain about now? I told Joe, I said, Liz is hiring people, and I never got the call to be the new public relations person, and I'm just waiting for my call, and I figured out I got the first call, and I didn't get it yet. So I'm thinking, I wonder how she's going to fill this job when she knows I'm available. Well, last time I checked, you did not apply for the job. So. <laughs> and guess what? I ain't going to. <laughs> well, Liz, uh, how's it going? Because I know you still got to do your regular job, but it's 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 closing in. And uh, I know you made some appointments. I want to talk a little bit about that uh, because you actually appointed your successor to, to the solicitor general job. So talk about your appointments so far that you were able to make. Yeah, like the two that I announced, I think they're two, you know, very key appointments for this office and for me uh, are Larry Freeman, who will be the chief deputy attorney general. So, you know, he's he has to be confirmed by the Senate and he'll be in charge of an awful lot of the operations of the of the the office and um, and be, you know, working very closely with me. And then, of course, my job, the Solicitor General, which is something that's close to my heart and something I believe that's going to continue to be very important in my administration. And, and that's a guy named Ben Aguanaga. He went to LSU Law School, did very well there, and uh, did a number of really good clerkships in federal court and then ultimately clerked for Justice Sam Alito, who is, you know, my favorite Supreme Court justice. So, I um, and he's also our circuit justice, so I'm just really delighted that he wants to come back and work here. He also worked in the Department of Justice in the Civil Rights Division under President Trump. Wow, pretty good credentials. Yeah, great credentials, and and I would just tap it off by saying that he is widely, widely considered and known to be a super nice guy. Yeah. So I'm excited to get him to join our our staff. Here's a little known fact about Ben, which you know you can you can get Ben on your show when he gets here. But he he owns about six Longhorn cattle, and he's bringing them with him. Oh my god! Oh my god! Well, he's definitely he's gonna make he's gonna make new friends really quick. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know much about longhorn cattle other than they have really long horns. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> uh, is there anybody else that you've appointed or hired, or do you? Or, or let me ask a question: When you like you in the, of course, Jeff may be taking some people with him to the, to the governor's mansion, but are they are they a group of, right. of people that that you will keep? Because I mean, y'all y'all hire lawyers and and people like that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, most of the. The transition from in this office from one attorney general to the other does not involve a whole lot of movement. I mean, okay. we have a lot of dedicated employees here. They are career, you know, Department of Justice lawyers and, and administrative staff, okay. and they really keep the trains running on time. And I, I think that's true even in the governor's on the governor's side. I mean, there are a lot of high level appointments, and there'll be some movement from this office. I know that Jeff's been working with people here for eight years, and there were, there's a lot of more spots that he's got to fill on his side. 
So, you know, there may be some opportunities for people to do something different. And I certainly never fault someone for wanting to start, a, you know, try something different, step up, take a different job and learn new skills. So I'm, I'm supportive of those people. I just need to kind of know who's moving, who's staying and who's leaving. And but, you, no, no, uh, I definitely have a few spots to fill. Sure, now, that, But a lot of the spots that you're going to fill, uh, is it going to be after you get in office? Because there's no way to really tell 100% of who's going to be where. Well, that's right. I mean, nothing really changes until the 8th. Yes, ma'am. So we are sworn in on the 8th, and that's really the official change. And it it is an unusual situation where the attorney general uh, is now the governor-elect, but he's still the attorney general. Sure. sure. And I am still the solicitor general, but I'm the attorney general-elect. So Jeff and I are working very closely together to – um, discuss things and, you know, have a smooth transition of the operations of this office. And as you pointed out, I have a lot of things, a lot of irons in the fire right now through the Solicitor General operation. We have six en banc petitions pending at the United States Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and we've got a case pending at the United States Supreme Court that will be scheduled for argument probably around March. Yeah, you know, the the, the sad thing about it is you really – there's no break because you're going to have to, you know what's going on in Solicitor General, so you got to update whoever it is, and then you got to stay on top of it. So it's not going to be a break for anybody if I'm, I'm listening to you correctly. Uh, it's yeah, no break right. at all. So we just want to keep everything running smoothly. And I, um, I, you know, right now it's been pretty calm and good transition. And I am already in the office. I had, you know, I was here before, and I think that's also something different for attorney generals. When Jeff was elected, he didn't actually come into the office until after inauguration. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's, so that's, that's a whole, that's a, that's a big uplift for you because you, you already pretty much know, I say, you know, 100% of what goes on, but you pretty much know a lot of stuff that goes on. So it, it's, a, it's kind of a, uh, kind of a blessing, I guess, that you can, you, you already there and you're already helping trying to shape the office right now. Yeah, and it's a different role, you know, Moon. I think that it, it's it, – I've had the – I think the, you know, the ability to focus. As SG, you're, you're, you're focused entirely on the work, sure. um, and the and it's – a lot of it is – it's not – I won't say it's academic, but it's it's very oriented toward studying the law, writing briefs, going to court, arguing cases. The job of the attorney general is much more outward-facing, and it's much broader. Sure. So, you know, I am meeting with all of the people who have run other divisions in our office and talking to them about their experience over the last eight years. You know, what do they what do they do now? What do they think we can do better? And and thinking about what the priorities need to be for my administration. You're Liz Murrow, uh, attorney general elect. She's also still a solicitor general. Uh, Liz, do you anticipate anything with the redistricting? <laughs> You go from a solicitor general to attorney general. Uh, you're going to be defending something probably pretty quick, if I had to bet, if they change what's going on right now with the current, uh, uh, the way the districts are formed. Yeah, I mean, we're con- we, are, we are continuing to defend the state and the House maps and the congressional map. I mean, that is an ongoing, that is ongoing litigation and you know, the, the, the legislature, ha- I think the legislature will have a special session. Whatever the outcome of that is, I will be 
then responsible for defending and you know so i'm 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 kind of dealing with dual tracks here right now sure. on redistricting and i i think that the courts have put a lot of pressure on us to conclude some of the redistricting uh, business before the next congressional election, but they haven't given us very clear guidance about how to do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really been the biggest problem and my biggest complaint about the Supreme Court precedent in this area is that they have really muddied the waters. They've made it a very difficult job for the legislature to do it right, even though the Constitution tells them they are the party that's supposed to be doing this. And then we end up in federal litigation, and all of it lands in the hands of a federal judge who isn't constitutionally the right person to be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But once again, here's the good news for you. It's not like like you haven't been there and done that already because it is part of what you're already doing. But your, your your job description just gets a lot bigger. And that's just one of many, many things that's going to take place. Well, it's a great job, and I'm really, really, really happy to have it. Well, it's something and I'm that, grateful to the voters for putting me in it. No, that's what I'm saying. You were, uh, I don't want to sound crazy, but you were built for the job. You were made for the job. You are the experience for the job. This, this is the job that you wanted, you know, and, that's, and, that's that's, right. and that says a lot for you because you work your way up to get where you were at Solicitor General, and the people overwhelmingly put you, put you in as the Attorney General. And I think that uh, says a lot for who you are, your staff, and everybody that work with you. We're proud of you. Uh, anything else you want to add besides Merry Christmas? <laughs> Just Merry Christmas. Everybody be safe. Don't drink and drive. We want to make sure that um, with, that everybody's ringing in the new year with us and coming to come watch an inauguration or attending. So Merry Christmas to everybody. Un- un- you're going to laugh when I say that. Unfortunately, I'm being drugged to the inauguration this year. Just letting you know, my bride oh, is dragging okay. me, dragging me to something like this that I don't normally go to. So she is dragging me to the inauguration. So you might actually see me hanging around. I was not going to go. And uh, and when my bride says, look, this is what we're going to do, I, you know, I do like a good husband. Yes, ma'am. That's right. That was a good answer, <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you there. I'll see you. All right, Liz Merle. Thank you, Liz. Hopefully we'll talk to you some Thank next you, year. Thank you, man. All right, baby. Bye-bye. All right, by the way, happy birthday. Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell y'all how old she is because she's already off. Never mind. I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm not going to say that. Liz is, I think she was 39 this week. Right. <clears throat> That'll at least give me a little bit of break. 39 is what I hear anyway. You're still not getting that PR job. No, I ain't getting a PR job. I, I know good well I'm not getting a PR job. I've been begging for a PR job for a while. Nobody gets it to me. As soon as they give me the one at the right price, off the air, here I go. I'm going to do it like everybody else. I'm going to sell my soul. I'm not doing that, folks. I'm joking. We'll be right back.
Hi, y'all. Welcome back. Move to the phone show. Last segment of this hour, we'll give away a cane rope pecan as soon as it pops up for me. We'll be glad to give somebody some cane rope pecans today. Tomorrow's it on the contest. Wasn't much of a contest, Joe, in the fact that all you had to do was register. <laughs> you didn't have to do a whole lot. And uh, people that won it all just about either called or, or sent. They didn't call me personally. They didn't know me, but they uh, called on the air. They, they sent emails. And it's been a lot of fun. We've done this 13 years now with cane rope pecans. It was always Really good people that get them. They, if they business people, they end up ordering stuff as well. So it's really cool. All right, eight four four seven six 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 zero seven. By the way, uh, Ed was just like uh, all other governors are leaving. We did this. We did this investment. Uh, none of that's here. Most of that is never coming. Uh, I was I was looking that. Let me see something. Hold up, just a second. She's back up there. Uh, anyway, so d- d- most of them investments are going to fall. Most of that has to do with federal government. You know, Bell Edwards cannot talk about investments in the state from the private sector. Everything is because of the federal government. And we have put ourselves in such a bad situation under this guy. And uh, I'm just telling you, they can write what they want about him. And it's mostly just the advocates. Everybody knows. Everybody knows when they see their kids leave and the jobs are not here. Like I said, you don't have to go far go into one of these other states. You can go to one of these other states and you can find out really, really quick. Uh, like I have, your mind is just just open. It's just wide open from, uh, from you know, from, for the truth. You just see the truth and you just, you're just almost puzzled. And that's that's what happened to me. It was almost puzzled. It really was. And uh, I just know that a lot of this stuff is 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 such fake. And you can go out there and brag about all this stuff, but when you lie, people know if you lied or not, folks. We know. Uh, I had somebody say, "Man, I wouldn't even bother with him." Said, "Man, and nobody's buying the advocate. You you give them more information what the advocate's doing with Bell than anybody." I know. But I just, I just promised myself I'm not going to let somebody walk around and lie. I'm not going to let the media get away with the lie. And I know the truth, and you know the truth. The reason why we got all Republicans running everything is because Bill Edwards has been in charge, and nobody wants to go through that hell anymore. He only expanded the federal government and, and, the, and the dependency of this state. On the federal government. Now, once again, you can say, oh, I'm tired of hearing this. I get it. I, I don't blame you. But I'm not, I'm tired. I'm just as tired as you are. I am tired of watching the truth not be told. I'm tired of just watching the BS from my friends at the, uh, my friends at the advocate. I say my friends, they're not my friends. But they, they're BS every day, every day, every day. I just, I get sick of it. And so I am going to make the statements that I make. You know, Green New Deal. He didn't know nothing about this. He didn't have a clue about the Green New Deal. He didn't have a clue. He goes to Glasgow and figure out, you know what, I'm getting ready to retire from this business in a few years. I want to make a bunch of money. And everywhere you go, it's failing. The, the windmills, they, they, they chopping them down in Europe. In some places, the uh, 
windmills in the in in our Gulf. They just approved two of them. We ought to not have any. Louisiana approves first offshore windmills from Vestas and Mitsubishi. We ought to, we ought to not have any of that stuff. We ought to run from it. All the gas companies ought to get away from it, but they're not getting away from it, and they're not running from it because there's so much money coming from the federal government. That's all Bell knows, you know? And uh, I, I don't wish anybody that's putting up windmills any bad luck or solar panels and calling it economic development. I don't wish them any bad luck, but I hope something wipes out every windmill in the Gulf, and I hope every solar panel that's ever put up as a form, I hope hailstorms blast them away. I do. This is a joke. This is a total joke, and this man is – led to charge for this kind of ignorance. I'm not wrong. I know I'm right on this. This is going to hurt us, and it's going to hurt America. This is not Green New Deal. This is the red communist as anything I've ever seen. Let's go to Chase and Lafayette with a quick call, then we'll announce the winner. Moon, thanks for taking my call. The, the last 20 years, the advocate has been known to me as the daily disappointment. Oh, yeah. And so that's just the nickname that's always happened. So, and, and one other thing. Remember, John Bell Edwards to Jeff Landry is the Barack Obama to Donald Trump. People get tired of it. And so now let's see what the Republicans can do. Hopefully – yeah. They don't mess it up. Themselves. Well, they they blew it. They blew it. They almost they blew everything with Trump, and I think that's a good. But you remember, Edwards went stick his nose at the uh, Kim Mulkey led LSU team at the uh, what was the Simmons and PMAC, and they booed the hell out of him. He went stick his nose in the national championship baseball team. They booed the hell out of him. He went to a football game well, this I- year when they announced. They booed the hell out of him, and I'm telling you. His approval number is about 37 or 38% unless the advocate runs the poll. It's, it's just a fact. Well, the, 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 guy, the guy hurt us, but he's going to be a multi-zillionaire because of all his Green New Deal movement. Well, is the state bureaucracy as strong as the federal bureaucracy? Because that's what Jeff Landry and the people that he's going to surround himself with are going to have to deal with. I don't believe it is, and that's what really hurt Trump because, the, you know, they talk about the deep state. And, I mean, you can look at the deep state. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a weird way to look at it. But there are factors there that don't want really change. Uh, they Chase, like the way it is. Chase, I hate to be the one to give it to you. We got we got a stronger factor in the state. but The governor has a lot of, uh, 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 you know, a lot of power. He's going to have to work well, through. Jeff Landry's job to change it. Well, Let's see if he can. I agree. No, it's on Jeff. But, you know, the universities are so tied in these elected officials and they beat them up to pieces. They don't get all their money they want. So you got a lot of bureaucracy here, a lot of layers here, just like the federal government, because we've always done it wrong, Chase. That's why we last in everything. Bell Edwards took what we were doing wrong and he put more money into doing wrong. Okay? He made us more dependency on the federal government. He put us in the wrong direction even stronger than we ever were. There's no changes. He, you know, he's not mentioning any changes in the state of Louisiana. Well, if you head in the wrong direction and you don't change anything, how do you change directions if, you, if you, you're still going in the same direction? But the media keeps writing these puff pieces for a guy that really has embarrassed the state. He's embarrassed us. Most people, you know, like, you know, they realize the media's, you know, Sure. Bullcorn. They they realize that that's 
I don't think that a lot of people are getting a lot of their information, especially people that actually have a brain and they can think. The media really is the last place that anyone gets their information from. These. No, I, I, I'm going to agree with you. That's why people say in Baton Rouge, we don't buy that thing no more. We don't even see what you're talking about. Well, good. But I want to bring it up because I want people to know what's going on. Chase, thank you. Merry Christmas. God bless. And uh, we got to take a break. Um, by the way, Kenneth Dubois. Kenneth Dubois, Lake Charles, Louisiana, the winner of the Cane River Pecans. God bless. See y'all tomorrow. Some of y'all stick around. We got another hour to go.
How y'all all? Welcome, Moon Graffon Show. Great to have you with us as we rock and roll. Hour number three of the Moon Graffon Show. Don't forget uh, Dan Bongino right after me for three hours. Sean Hannity at three o'clock. Drive time. Joe Cuttingham from five to six. Our friend Mark Levin and then our friends at American Ground Radio. So we got a little bit of what's going on, folks. Uh, Miguez Few, I've been talking about him for now a couple of years. Miguez Few and Lubricants. Hey, look, if you're a big company out there, I say big company, a company that uses a lot of oil and gas products and services, and you want to be serviced, uh, these people have been around for over 30 years. Mr. and Mrs. Miguez know what they're doing. They got a great group of people working for them, and they like to service people in Louisiana. They can service anywhere in Louisiana with offices in Lake Charles and New Iberia and also in Baton Rouge. It's just good people taking care of customers. You go to the website, miguezfew.com, miguezfew.com. Check them out. Uh, you'd be surprised how quick they can get stuff to you. You can order it online. The next day they can deliver it to you. That's the kind of service they provide for people uh, in all the type industries that are out there. So give them a call. Just go to the website and check them out to see if they are a company that can help your company. And they're really good. All righty. Uh, I, I did. There was a survey. It's a Breitbart article. More than one in five mail-in voters admit to cheating in the 2020 election. 2020 election, more than one in five voters who submitted ballots by mail say they did so fraudulently. This is a Rasmussen report the Heartland Institute revealed. The survey asked those who voted by mail in 2020 election if they fill out a ballot in part or in full on behalf of a friend or family member, such as a spouse or child, to which 21% said they had done so. See, so you get these ballots in the mail, and, oh, uh, John and, and, and Missy might be off at school, and they fill them in and send them in for them, and that's illegal. Now, somebody can say, well, you go in with your daughter, special need. And, by the way, she knows who to vote for. But I'm not doing a mail-in ballot. They're doing mail-in ballots for people. Though many states allow voters to receive assistance while voting, the Heartland Institute filling out ballots on behalf of another person is illegal across the United States. In addition... 17% 17% of mail-in ballots in the 2020 election said they cast a ballot in the state where they were no longer permanent residents, which violates the federal law. Telling y'all, we bet we're not gripping our voting system like we need to. I let me tell you something, and Joe, you can you can you can bid in here. I think everybody that registers to vote should have to go to the registration office personally and register to vote and show the ID. Now let me tell you my my belief. None of this stuff where you automatically register, none of this stuff where you go to the, 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 the driver's license place, you have to prove. Now, somebody says, well, this is easier. What if you can't go? Your election cycles are three and four years apart. You mean to tell me you can't do 365 days a year because you can't do weekends, but 250 days a year, let's just use that number, a year. For over four years, a 1,000 days you can register to vote, and you can't go register to vote. That's why the scheme of COVID and the mail-in ballots, I don't care if you like Trump, I don't care if you think they were cheating or not, anytime you got mail-in ballots, there's a chance for fraud. And that's why I think the fraud came in. I think the fraud came in two ways. That's one. That was a big one. The other way I think the fraud came in is take Pennsylvania, where courts allowed him to change the rules after the votes were over, after the voting was over. So just doing that can change the outcome of just those two things. So we got these rules. Everybody plays by the rules. So people don't want to play by the rules. So it gets into the courts, and the courts say, nah, 
That's fine. They can change the way they vote. Yeah, we found ballots two days later. We can go and count them. That's how things are cheated. Now, Joe, really, I would like to see us eliminate the mail-in ballots with the exception of maybe one thing, and that would be military. So let's say you got mom or dad at home, okay, and they need help. Joe, we got wheelchair access. We've got all kind of ways to get people to go vote. We vote eight, nine days now. I just don't think anybody that really wanted to vote should ever have to do a mail-in ballot. Democrats love mail-in ballots. They love them. They know what they're doing a lot of times is not right. But the courts don't, especially local courts and courts in states, they don't hold them down to it. You know, if you say that you can fill out a ballot, you got to have a witness. Remember we were talking to Charles Clay, we talked to Roy Alexander. And this is the ruse. Step one through ten, the ruse, how to vote. And you leave off a couple of those ruse. It ought to be thrown out. Because you didn't play by the rule. And this is the thing. Why have rules? But with the, with the Democrats, why have borders? <laughs> I mean, they don't care if we have borders or not. Same thing with laws. So you set the laws before the election, whatever they are, Joe, whether I agree with harvesting or not. If your state wants to do that like California, I'm a Republican. You better play by their rules. But they should never, ever, ever, ever change the rules after an election. And I think that's a lot of the stuff that went on. I just think we ought to eliminate the automatic registration and we ought to eliminate uh, mail-in ballots with the exception of people that are overseas. If you're living overseas and you're going to move over there and you know you're going to be two or three years over there, all I can tell you is sorry. If you're over there as a private sector, but you got to come back and vote. Here's the sad thing about that too, Joe. Somebody that lives overseas they may stay over there a year or two before they come home. But if they want to vote, they find a way to come home and vote. That's the way I see it. I just think we've allowed so much hanky-panky on this stuff that it's it's really out of control. Maybe not here, but it is everywhere else. Your thoughts? Part of me wants to say, well, if you have to renew your driver's license and your vehicle registration, why don't you have to renew your voter ID? Some states have like their voter their voter roll Purge laws are basically, if they go look at the voter rolls and you haven't voted the last six elections, yeah. you're automatically on the list to be purged. We, we got some of that, too. Yeah, but we it needs to be enforced a lot more, and Democrats need to stop fighting it in court. I mean, uh, Stacey Abrams in Georgia, she got mad because a bunch of voters were purged from the voter rolls before that first election that she claimed she won but didn't. She signed that she, she co-sponsored that law. Which is just hilarious. But also, I, I, to me, the, the big thing is, I agree with you, election day should be one day. It shouldn't be Should early be voting, up. shouldn't be mailing, anything like that. But right now, Republicans have to learn to play by the Democrats' rules. If you, well, and then, and you got to get harvest, into power. you got you to go harvest the you, ballot. Yeah, you, and once you get into power, then you can make the change. And there's going to be a lot of legal battles once you get there because you're going to have a lot of pushback on getting rid of earlier mailing or anything like that. I think... I think maybe keep early, but get rid of mail-in for everybody except military and the environment. Let's think about this. You got to do military. I get it. Other than that, I don't get it. You can make the argument with older people, but that's somebody going and maybe filling something out that ain't right. But why can't you register to vote? I don't have a problem if they say you got to register to vote every four years. 
I'll tell you why. The people that will want to vote, they care, they make dang sure they register to vote. Like you said, my driver's license, I made my driver's license now is a six-year deal. But whatever it is, you're reminded about your driver's license, be reminded about go register to vote. The mail-in ballots got to stop. And I'm speaking for Louisiana. We don't really have a lot of that, but we do have some of it. You know, you can do military. If you get to a certain age, you can mail it. And I think we ought to do away with, you ought to have to go vote for the most part on election day. Well, there's going to be too many lines. Tough, tough, tough. What's the price? They keep of, the lines open until everybody's What's the price of Republic? Yeah, you got 12, what is it, 14 hours financial but they, election? But they don't just cut you off if you're if you're in line and 8 o'clock hits. They don't cut you off. They let you come in and vote. I don't, well, I don't get I don't get I know it. this. Just because it's faster and quicker and more convenient don't mean it's better. Mm-hmm. That's in anything in life. You make it faster, quicker. You know, we do that with debit cards. We do that with credit cards. I mean, debit card, you spend a lot more money just because. But used to, Joe, when you moved around before debit cards came, a popular thing. Mm-hmm. You didn't have the money. You didn't buy it. Yeah. You probably spent a lot less money not having a debit card. They also tell me, this Dave Ramsey and some of the people that I've, that I've listened to, when you walk in to buy something with a debit card, you're going to spend more money just because mm-hmm. it's a piece of plastic. That's you're not really worried about paying the bill. Dave Ramsey promotes, he, he, he pushes that envelope method. You put in a certain amount of money for your groceries. That's all you spend. And that's all you spend, yeah. yeah. But when you had money like that, then you didn't overspend. That's that give me an example. So your wife goes to a sale. Let's just say your wife says, hey, I ain't going to spend but $400. She goes to the sale. I'm not using the wife. It could be a man. Go to the sale, I'm going to spend $400. You go to the sale, and the sale was so good, to get what you wanted, you only had to spend $250. What do you do? I got that for $250. I got another $150 because I said I was going to spend $400. So you go spend more than you want to spend. That's, that's natural. That's, a, that's just a common deal. Uh, I know this. You know, when I read one in five mail invites admit to cheating because they don't feel like it's cheating. They just do it. Yeah, and I mean, and this is what's done in the Democrat Party, especially the states where they can really do it. They go out there, they go to them, uh, uh, you call them old folks' homes, senior citizens' citizen mm-hmm. homes, whatever you want to call them. They go vote for people. Yeah, if they know, they go up to your house, Joe. That's why they got. Why do you think Democrats got to have money on the streets, folks? To buy votes, all they got to do, they find a home that's got. Five people that can register to vote and they go get them registered. And that don't mean those five people are going to go vote. They go over there and they bring the, they bring the, uh, uh, they may already have it, but they get that to them or they got it already in the house and they say, let me vote for it. Just sign it for me. It's a machine out there. I think the biggest machine's in Fulton County. I still will never understand in the South. The only two United States senators I know of in the South, both in Georgia. Both in Georgia. The only city, states in the South to vote for Joe Biden and Hillary or Joe Biden is Georgia. But a candidate's that bad? You know, they said Herschel Walker was horrible. They shouldn't have put Herschel Walker up then. But they went with a woke Democrat in the southern state of Georgia. That's the state that if you had two Republicans right now, we'd have the Senate and the House. We would. And Georgia wouldn't have went for Biden in a very close election with Donald Trump. It wouldn't have been enough, but it would have made it a little bit better. But now 
when I look at this, the, the, the country, has Georgia, now Georgia will turn around and vote just like us, all Republicans in that statewide race. See, I don't, I don't understand the mindset of a person like that. I'm going to go in and vote. I'm going to go in and vote for the Democrat for national. I'm going to vote for Obama and Biden. But statewide, I'm going to vote for the, uh, for the Republican. I, I, how does your mind that warp? I, 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 don't, I don't understand how somebody's mind can be that warped. You could be as far left and go a little bit right, on a, depending on what the election is. You can't see what's happening. You mean to tell me, and Joe, you follow it close to me. They must have hated Herschel Walker. They must have thought Herschel Walker was a bad dude. But I saw it here with Vitter. They made it sound like Vitter was worse than they were. And they he wasn't. Did he do something wrong? Absolutely. 15 years ago. Now it's 23 years ago. But I don't, uh, I look at Georgia in a totally different view than I did a few years ago with what they did with uh, the Trump-Biden election and then both the Senate races. Because the Democrats now, uh, one has six more years, five after this year, and the other one I think has, uh, well, one went in, went in with Biden, didn't he? So he has, he has uh, two years left. No, three years left counting next year. Mm-hmm. He got to run again. The other one, Warnock, who, by the way, is a joke. How bad was Herschel? I mean, how bad was Herschel for the Herschel to lose to a woke Democrat? That's an Obama and Bell Edwards sickness. I, I still can't believe that happened like that. Anyway, let's take a break. 844-766-6607. You're listening to the Moon Graffon Show. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back.
Hi, y'all. Welcome back. Moon Graffon Show. Great day, folks. 844-766-6607 is the number. If you'd like to be part of the program, love to hear from you. It's also uh, email me, moon at moongraffon.com. And uh, I don't know, Maddie, what you thinking? Praise y'all's. You thinking, uh, uh, look, Maddie's grabbing that mic. Uh, you thinking Dino's? Dino's? Dino's pizza or you want uh, uh, peanut butter and jelly? <laughs> you just said it. You on the air. Joe just said it. Let you air on the air. Don't say nothing wrong. Say welcome back. <laughs> you, you just, all right, Joe, you can cut it now. I'm trying to see where you want to go eat. So I was thinking about going to Dino's, Maddie, because I think they got pizza for one special today. And if you don't want that, they got the fried shrimp you like and the sweet potato fries. They got gumbo. They've got, whoo, Maddie. They got chicken parmesan. I'm telling you, man, they got it going on at Dino's, girl. You know, we go there all the time. Dino's Pizza, folks. Two great locations, College Saloon and, and Bertrand. And don't forget, don't forget that uh, they can cater. They do cater. And it, it makes a great time if you got Dino's on the plate wherever you are. Catering, picked up, big groups, they can do it all. Dino's Pizza, check them out. You're going to be glad you did. Here's one for you. 20% of Democrats want Donald Trump jailed for life, exiled, or executed. (laughs) You see what propaganda can do? You see what propaganda can do? Some Democrats wish the worst for President Donald Trump, even though the presidency successful, created prosperity for a nation of citizens. Trump did great. Trump did great. And yet the media... And the left has pounded him so much. Before the coronavirus, Trump had built the world's most prosperous economy, according to the White House archives. And that's why I always believed that coronavirus was a setup to bury Trump. And it worked. American gained 7 million new jobs, more than three times government experts projected. Income rose in every single metro area in the United States for the first time in nearly three decades. Unemployment for women hit the lowest rate in nearly, nearly 70 years. The Dow closed above 20,000 for the first time in 2017, top 30,000 in 2020. Jobless claims hit a nearly 50-year low and lifted nearly 7 million people off of food stamps. That, see, when I look at Bill Edwards, I'll tell you, he didn't do any of this. He just caused more people to be on welfare. Trump lifted up, and yet... If you poll Democrats, 72% believe he's guilty of crimes. Don't even know where they are. He's guilty. 12% of Democrats say he would get life in prison if found guilty. 4% of Democrats want him to be exiled. 2% of Democrats are in favor of the death penalty. <laughs> and the man and the two men that are bringing us down more than anybody in the history of the world is Barack Obama and Joe Biden. It's amazing. Democrats. One thing about the propaganda machine of the enemy to state, our media, they own Democrats' thoughts. They own, they own them. They own the Democrats, the media and the Democrat Party. They own their voters. They can tell them anything. Tell them the world's ending in two days. They would believe it in a second. 
All right, let's uh, let's go and get uh, let's get Matt out of Lafayette first. Matt, how you doing, sir? Hey, how you doing, Moon? Yeah, Listen to the show all the time. First time calling in. Yes, sir. Want to want to kind of rewind back just a little bit when he was talking about all the windmills. Yeah. Now I travel all over the country with my job, working on railroad, all over the country, and it's hard to find a windmill that's actually turning. First of all, I believe that. By the way, over the place. I believe that. By the way, <laughs> it's hard to find one. What's that? I say I believe that. I read that all the time, that oh, yeah. they don't only work. And people don't understand what actually goes into it. One of my locations for my company is right next to Vestas in Pueblo, Colorado, where they make these things. People don't understand what it takes to maintain these things, the factory that's making this, what the power banks are going to look like, and where they at, and how everything's made for that let alone the technicians who have to climb up and grease these things all the time, and the trains and the railroad and everything else, plus the specialized, you know, um, um, haulers, you know, that have to be manually operated by a remote hand-controlled rear end because it can't turn. Wow. Wow. People don't think about what it takes to do all of this. And all these these wind farms – Traveling all over the U.S., hardly ever spinning. Matt, Matt, this is the biggest propaganda <laughs> lie that I've ever seen. I've been doing this for 30 years, but in my whole life, I've never seen American people fall for the dumbest thing ever. Solar panels absolutely don't work at night. They're not going to work when it's uh, uh, there's no sun. And the windmills, I hope they all tumble and fall. Listen, in Germany— Germany is now taking part of their windmills and shutting them down and crashing them down, and they're going back to just uh, like coal. To, uh, Taiwan. Yes, it ain't working. Why Taiwan are we doing this? We doing a contract to build windmills out in the, out in the water. Bro, you got to get, get the ROVs and all that kind of stuff. And I mean that's it's it's ridiculous. It's worthless. Bell, Bell Edwards, that place you mentioned was Vestas and Mitsubishi. Vestas. Okay, they just signed. First approved offshore windmills, Department of Natural Resources, bellboy, bragging about how this clean energy is going to be awesome. You know why? It's federal money, okay? Somebody and some companies are going to get filthy rich. They don't how give a rat's butt if they work. Huh? It's like how many pockets is that going to line as well? And you, Windmills, you can't just put up one. You have to put up them in sets of four. Because they have to face different directions. Yeah, but what I'm telling you is, and you, I mean, we're, we're talking about the same thing. They are telling people this is going to be good, and it's not. And it's a waste of money, and it's, it's causing everything, all the prices at home, food, and everything you buy to go skyrocket up for a lie. A lie from hell. Even more. Absolutely. I agree 100%. 100%. You know, um, and then one more thing, I'll let you get. Like you were touching on uh, the whole Trump and the charges and all that, you know, BS that they're going through. How is it that they think they can value the Mar-a-Lago home for $18 million when the house down the street sold for fifty? <laughs> <laughs> Do they understand real estate at all? Well, no. When it comes to Trump, it's not a matter of understanding anything. It's a matter of just making right. damn sure they, can, they, they destroy him. And Trump ain't right on everything. But you, my God, he was right on some, a lot of stuff. If Mar-a-Lago was worth $18 million, I'd scoop it up. I'd try to get a loan somehow to scoop it up and resell it because I can make a fortune on it. Absolutely. 
I'd be I'd be hocked to the hilt <laughs> if I could get it and sell it. Right. <laughs> yeah, but keep, Thank you, man. Appreciate favor. you. Call, when Christmas. you when you see a windmill move one time, call me. I can do that. Right. Thank you, bud. Appreciate it. Let's take a break. 844-766-6607. By the way, COP28, COP28, beginning of the end of fossil fuels declared. The beginning of the end of the United States of America. The beginning of the end of mankind without fossil fuels. Nobody realizes what it all goes into. These people are sick nuts. I think the whole thing is to destroy America. Once you destroy America, everything else goes. Everything.
Hi, hello. Welcome back. Hour number three of the Moon Graffon Show. Great to have you with us. 844-766-6607. All right, been bragging about unlocked physical therapy. Boy, they've done wonders for me, Maddie, and Walker. They've done wonders for everybody that's going in there. It really, Carrie Lampkin and his, and his crew really are engaged in making sure you come out of there better than you were when you went in. And that's what a good physical therapist is all about. Carrie Lampkin, over 30 years of experience. And I do want to mention, they've expanded. Now, we know about the one on 3810 Ambassador Caffrey, Suite 500. That's the Lafayette Clinic. But he's expanded now to Abbeville, Louisiana. The Abbeville Clinic is in Abbeville, Louisiana, 106 Thomas Street. So you can go to either one if you outpour that way. makes it really easy for you. They open Monday through Friday. Friday just at noon, though. But I'm going to tell you right now, check out Unlock Physical Therapy. It doesn't matter if you're young and old, black and white, male or female. Carrie just wants you back in the game of life that you need to be. And so if you're a young athlete, you're trying to get back on the field or the court, he's got you covered. You can be an older guy like me just trying to enjoy life, work hard, go fishing, visit with the grandbabies. He's got you covered. Carrie just wants to make sure you, you, are back in the game that you want to be, which is the game of life. Unlock physical therapy. Check them out. You're going to be glad you did. Let's go. Let's see. We got Ricky in Arnoville. How you doing, Ricky? It's just fine. Morning yourself. Man, if I told you hard work and dedication, uh, I hope you believe that. <laughs> Every, you know, everybody's, con- everybody's convinced I'm dedicated. The hard work stuff is the stuff that they're having problems with believing. That's right. That's right. Definitely. You know, it, I'm a first-time caller, long-time listener, and I've been listening to you uh, every morning all this year. And, and I voted this year, and I heard you talking with Liz Merle and whatnot. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I think the people finally opened up their eyes when they're going to vote for people like Liz Merle and uh, Miss Landry out of Karen Crow mm-hmm. and the school board member. It looked like Jeff Landry and all of these getting together, it looked like, they're really, really going to do something for the state of Louisiana. I hope so anyway. But it's all because of you, Moon, because in a long, long time, I'm 69 years old, and this is the first time I voted in a long, long time, and I- I'm really happy I voted the way I did. Yeah, you, and it's all first of all, I listen to you, and <laughs> you know, you break down everybody for us. I don't understand politics, but you break it down for us and let us know, look, this guy here, he's not too much, but he's all right. Or what? You know, you, you break it down for the old people like Cajuns like us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, that's, first of all, you're being overly kind. Uh, I'm glad you did vote. If I didn't encourage you anything else, but it was to go vote. Because we need, if good people don't do anything, we can't change anything. With good people like yourself, go vote. That's, that's when right. we change things. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just tickled to death that you went vote. Uh, like I said, you've been awful kind to me, but the state of Louisiana needs a change. We got a governor leaving. That's right. We got a governor leaving that's bragging about what he did. And yet if we don't change the state, we're going to stay last in everything. I mean, we, and, and exactly. all this investment is fake, fake, fake money from the federal government is not the type of investment you need. You need private sector investments that's to right. grow the economy. So he's accomplished nothing and he's leaving like he really did something. And the only thing he's bragging yeah. about is he's expanded government. He's made our states more dependent on the federal government, 
And because they got surpluses because of the federal government that's coming, that's sending money here, it's not really a success story. It's actually okay. hurt us, you know. And, Ricky, that's, that's my frustration with watching people like Bill Edwards. They really believe they're copying something good, and I can't see it. And, you know, Moon, uh, uh, I'm not a politician, but I've talked to quite a few people because, like, all my, I've got three daughters. They're all married. I've got grandkids, all this. I, everything I've done in my life in the state of Louisiana, which, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not much, but I do it for my grandkids and my kids, you know? Sure. And I feel now that Jeff Landry is in and these politicians coming in, like Liz Merle and all of them, and... and I feel that now my grandkids have a place to stay. Yeah. You, you, well, you we know got, we got, and, remember and this though, Ricky, we got a long way to go. And uh, I'm hoping, and I'm we, hoping, I'm hoping these, if these folks would do opposite for the most part of what Bell Edwards did, we got a chance. Exactly. If you do what Bell did, exactly. we have no chance. Yes. So if, you're right. If, if we could, if you could continue doing what you're doing and turning these people around and making them, understand what you're trying to tell them uh you know uh, i think people it, it did it for me because i listened to you every morning and i said oh no i gotta go with this man this man tell me to vote for so and so i'm voting for so and so i don't care moon said it i'm voting for well, it. you know That's what you you might be the only one that feel that way uh ricky <laughs> I'm going to work on it, and I'm going to try to get some more in there. Man. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much. God bless. Please Look, have a Merry Christmas. You too, and please keep doing the, uh, what you're doing, Moon. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. All right, so, Joe, is it called COP28 or COP28? I've been calling it COP. Okay. I want to make sure, Joe, you know, sometimes I'm, these words are tricky. Delegates clap, cheer each other. It's the beginning of the end of fossil fuel declared. And uh, that's before that's before they hopped on their private jets and flew away, right? Of course. And ate caviar and steak and some of the finest meat and food you ever put in your mouth. They'd fly, and then they wanted people, to, uh, the United States, to quit eating so much meat. They think a cricket burger is better than a hamburger. I personally will let Matty eat the cricket burger. I'm not going to eat the cricket burger. So the eighty thousand delegates had flown in from around the world, Joe, uh, for the climate talks. After 13 days of talks, the country known to, for its abundant oil wealth and spectacular profits derived from the same uh, quickly banged the gavel, signal the end of it. And uh, they all agreed 194 signed consensus to do away with fossil fuels. So let's see. You got to do away with your hat you wear, Joe, your glasses. You got to do away with these water bottles. All it takes fossil fuels to make them, deliver them. You got to do away with your underwear. That's not good. Uh, you got to do away with cars. Can't plastic. Can't put plastic in them light cars. You got to do away with vehicles. You got to do away with deodorant. It's gonna get a kind of funky around here, folks. If they ever stopped in real life to figure out at all how important fossil fuels are, we wouldn't even be talking about this. If you transition away from fossil fuels. By 2050, the, the whole planet is going to be starving to death. The whole planet. There is no United States. There is no American dream. There's nothing without fossil fuels. You know? King Charles. King Charles gets every good meal and anything he wants Joe delivered to him every day. 
He wanted we get rid of fossil fuels. The people are going to go nuts. Okay? We have language on fossil fuel in our agreement for the first time ever. If the United States signed off to this, John Kerry and the dummies signed off to this. Why are we allowing folks? I'll go to my grave knowing this is absolutely crazy. There's also a picture. If you ever notice when you see protests or pictures of somebody fighting against fossil fuels, always young, college-type students that they get to do this, they don't have a clue. 18 to 25-year-olds, they're not even living. They don't even have a clue what life is about yet. They don't. And that's who's doing the protests. You saw Joe in Germany, there are these big Christmas trees all over. They sprayed them with some kind of orange paint. Not all of them, but a few of them. All in the name of uh, getting rid of fossil fuels. The cost of droughts, floods, superstorms made worse by rising temperatures. Really? We've been having that since when Earth began. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy time. It's as crazy a time as I can ever remember in the United States of America. It really is. Do we need to take a break? Is that what you flipping me off over here on? I would never flip you off in front of uh, your daughter. Okay. Okay. Well, I have to say my daughter saved me. <laughs> All right, folks, take a break. More to come. Moon Graffon Show short segment. When we get back, you're listening to the Moon Graffon Show.
Hi, y'all. Welcome back. Microphone Show. Great to have you with us. All right, folks, last segment of the program. But I do need to mention, if you're looking for a generator, just go to SiriusUSA.com, SiriusUSA.com. Peter Vadreen, my friends at Sirius Technologies, they're right there in Eunice, Louisiana. They can service anywhere that's in this program today. And they've got a lot of generators in stock. You know, you gear up, no hurricane, no real bad weather except a drought, which is all normal. And uh, But you never know when it's going to get too cold. And, and those those icicles on those power lines shut it down. I was so cool a couple of years ago when that happened. I had a generator. Joe, I had refrigerators didn't go out. I had a heater that worked. And, uh, and all my lights came on. We invited people from across the street to, you know, to, to come to the house. Family members were able to come. Having your own generator is something you got to have if you live in South Louisiana. But the service contract is a must-have. So if you already got a generator, why don't you get a service contract with SiriusUSA.com? Let them come check it out to make sure it's going to run like it needs to run. You think it's you need a generator in the summer when it's hot? Try having one when it's 30 degrees, not having one when it's 30 degrees, or 28 degrees for two or three days. Everything stays frozen on the ground. You got to have that generator. I'm glad I got mine. Uh, here's what I was going to say. So the current, which is – a liberal rag on a good day. You know, everybody's talking about the economy around here in Louisiana. Boomtown isn't booming. During the past election season, I heard claims made in Lafayette's economy was booming. The people were flocking here. When I look at the data, what I see is an economy that's limping along. At best, we're treating, treading water. And I feel a local boosterism risk creates a false sense of security that breeds complacency at a time when Lafayette can't afford to be resting on its laurels. Then he, he gives out a, a bunch of numbers. Now, I'm not going to give you a bunch of numbers. I ain't going to do it. I'm going to read this as a summary. But the U.S. economy, while the U.S. economy grew, the economies of both Louisiana and Lafayette metro areas weren't just stagnant. They actually shrank. Now, we got a governor who's going around and bragging, oh, look at all his jobs coming in here. When we look at the truth, he's a liar. And I'm not saying the current is always on mark either, but they write about this. Lafayette's economy grew, but at a less than half the rate of the U.S. economy as a whole. Of course, they're using big numbers. I'm not going to get into that. To give these big numbers some context, on a per capita basis, that the equivalent of roughly 4000 less money that went into every person's pocket in our parish in 2022 than it would have if our economy had just been average. The same reality checks come when we examine U.S. Census data to look at whether people are actually flocking to Lafayette. The guy actually took the numbers and looked at them. And that's what I'm telling y'all when I was so amazed at these other states' economies. I'm amazed at them because I know they got a lot more money in their pockets because there's no way 25- and 45-year-olds will be going in these five-star restaurants like they're going in unless they had money. And I even talk about the, the outside areas losing people, too, in the parish. He says Lafayette, the person that wrote this says Lafayette Parish has been losing an average of almost 1,000 residents per year. So I, I told you all before, it's, it's, it's wrong to give people false hope. False hope is a bad thing. 
Bill Edwards is going around bragging about something that the average person is looking at. That's why he has a 39% approval rate. He's got the same approval numbers as Joe Biden, 38 to 39. Every poll I've ever seen but one had him over 40. Nobody had him over around 50. They had a, a couple with 41, 42, but they had some in the 30s. Same as guess who? Well, that illustrious president we have, Joe Biden. Joe says that wraps up open form Friday. Tomorrow, looking forward to it. I will see you then. Have an awesome, awesome day.